0: I hope you checked out our weekly episode yesterday for part one on the Sharice Walker Bingham case. You are about to hear part two of that episode. So if you have not yet, please take a moment to go back to part one, yesterday's episode, so you do not miss out on any key information to understanding this case.
1: With each case, we encourage you to continue in the conversation on our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, because, as we all know, conversation helps to keep the missing person in the public consciousness, helping keep their memories alive. So sit back, sip your coffee, and listen to what's brewing this week.
0: Okay, so when law enforcement talked to family... They found that there was no history of domestic violence, but the family state that Charisse's and Eugene's marriage was far from being in good standing. Several years before, their marriage had become more one of cohabitation than a loving marriage. Okay. In fact, and I don't know for how long this had been the case, but at the time of Sharice's death, Eugene was living in the basement and Sharice's domain was the rest of the house. So essentially their roommate. Mm-hmm, exactly. And their marriage had fallen apart really due to what Sharice told her family were Eugene's lies and secrets. You see, Maggie, Charisse told her family that her husband had been keeping secrets from her. Like the 14-year mistress? Like the, Exactly, like the 14-year mistress. One such secret was that Eugene had lost his job with the water company after new management took over. Did he pretend to he, go to work? He sure did. Oh, He did. So he lost his job because they had begun routine drug tests. And the research that I completed stated that Eugene quite enjoyed marijuana. And so he was unable to pass those drug tests and obviously had been fired. But like you just guessed, he continued to leave the house every day as if he were going to work, even though he wasn't. He was probably going to spend it with his mistress. Potentially, it wasn't actually until Charisse discovered some sort of documentation, and again, I don't know what that documentation was, that showed the termination of his employment. That she realized what is what had happened. Now, you may be confused and wondering how this could happen without Charisse noticing a lack of income coming in. And again, I don't have an answer for that. I don't know. If she noticed that documentation and confronted him about the lies, maybe before the next paycheck would have been deposited, right? And then the charade only happened, you know, less than two weeks. Or she could just be like me and have
1: no idea your financial standing in the bank account because, I mean, that could be true. Yeah.
0: (laughs) And I didn't even think about that. That could absolutely be true. Yeah. Maybe she just didn't check it and he was responsible for it and, you know, she didn't worry about it. I also don't know, you know, if at this point in their marriage, they had kept their income separate. Yeah, maybe. That's a good point, too. Or even if Eugene was able to deposit money from another source. And so then leaving Sharice none the wiser. And I say this because a second lie slash secret that Sharice discovered, um, as she told her family about about a year before her death was that Eugene was having an affair and she, you know, obviously she told her family as soon as she found out. And again, this was about a year before her death, but according to her brother, Keith, not only did Sharice find out that Eugene was cheating on her, but also found out that he had purchased a duplex without her knowing that he was renting out and the mistress Was listed as the property manager. Okay. So that's why I mentioned, you know, maybe he deposited money from other sources, like money from this duplex, right? And that's why she was none the wiser. But this woman with whom he was having the affair was someone who he had previously worked with before the water plant when he had a, a past job with UPS. Wow. When Charisse found out about the affair, while she didn't immediately file for a divorce, and the reason why she didn't, uh, it's unknown to me, but she did pawn her wedding ring. Yeah. Period. And she even told her aunt, as her aunt stated on the investigation discovery coverage of her case, quote, I'm sleeping with the enemy, end quote. Hmm. And a day or two before her death told her aunt that her marriage was fake. So did police ask Eugene about all these lies? They did. Yeah. They asked him straight up about the affair. He initially tried to downplay the relationship, stating that, oh, it was just a fling and saying that Sharice had found out about the extramarital relationship about four years prior And he said that as soon as Sharice had found out, he had ended the relationship. But despite his protestations, law enforcement had something in their possession that threw his story right out the window. Phone records.
1: Yeah. And I was about to say, they're going to be able to easily tell if this was just a fling. Yeah. And I don't think you fling... For fourteen right. years—that's a long time to. Well, find. and you're
0: buying property with the person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. And Maggie, those phone records would reveal so much more than just a continuing relationship with this woman. Ooh, does it say anything about like the day? Oh yeah. That she oh was, yeah. So we're going to mm-hmm. get into all that. So Maggie, just to make sure that the information that they were going to confront Eugene with was accurate, they asked him is there anybody else who had access to your phone? Right? Because they don't want him later to be like, oh, I forgot. I let so-and-so borrow it or whatever. Yeah. And he said, no, I'm the only one who has had access to my phone. Then they said, how do you explain, if this is just a fling and it ended years ago, that between the period of December 3rd through December 11th, And the 11th is the day before Charisse's death. That you spoke with this other woman more than 100 times if the affair had Uh, ended. And that's a lot of time
1: for like, that's a lot of phone calls for that short amount of days. That's eight days.
0: Yeah. Wow. Yep. So when they confront him with, with this, Eugene does change his story. And no one has shown this information. And he finally admits that the relationship hadn't exactly ended like Uh. he previously said, but it was still ongoing. And then he even admits that Sharice had passed without knowing the full extent of this relationship that he had with this other woman. So the police, of course, they say, well, we need to talk to this other woman and although eugene initially asked if he could call her first just to let her know about the phone call that she was going to be receiving which they denied he did give law enforcement her name and number so during the investigation investigators also discovered that sharice had three separate life insurance policies in her name
1: I mean, I think that speaks volumes of how
0: safe you feel mm-hmm.
1: in your day-to-day life. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. She had one for 200000 from Allstate. One for 250000 through Protective Life. And she had a new one through her new job for $410,000. So, okay. Yeah. So...
1: One, that's nearly a million dollars. Yeah. So, do we know for sure she took these out? We do not, or did someone take them out? okay, she, because yeah. who's the beneficiary? Well,
0: you you can probably guess.
1: okay. see, so if it's Eugene, it is. and that makes me feel a little bit weird about saying that she took all of them out for like she personally took them out right. and maybe someone took them out. Mm -hmm, In her her. name.
0: So now the police, they have at least two potential motives for murder. Right? We've got Mm -hmm. the affair that's going on and Mm -hmm. we have the life insurance money. So they decide to bring Eugene in to take a polygraph test. But before they did so, on December 24th, 2013, Eugene actually called them with some information of his own. He had found the pouch in which Charisse normally carried her gun. And he said he found it in their home. The fact that, and I know I didn't make a big deal about it at the time. I briefly mentioned that she normally carried her gun. That she in had, his yeah. pouch. But the fact that no gun pouch was found on Charisse, even though it's a seemingly small detail, it was one that had always stood out as significant to her family.
1: Well, I think you said earlier she was a creature of habit. Yes. So she would keep things where they were supposed to go. Correct. And her gun was supposed to go in her pouch. Mm -hmm. And the fact that it wasn't Mm -hmm. makes me think that she wasn't really carrying it.
0: Mm. That's what they think as well. I mean, for people who are not a creature of habit, I guess the best analogy I could give to this as to why this would be significant to her family, is like, can you imagine unloading your dishwasher, but instead of putting your utensils in your utensil drawer, you put them where your cups and glasses go? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it, it just wouldn't make sense. So just like you said, Maggie, they maintain that they had never known Charisse to carry her gun on her person or in her belongings anywhere without it being in its pouch. But when she was found in the park, the gun was right there, but the pouch wasn't. So their thinking was that since the pouch wasn't at the scene, to them, just like you said, That meant that Sharice had not been the one who brought it there. Mm -hmm. They swear, swear, that if Sharice had been carrying the gun on her person, there is no conceivable reason why it wouldn't be in its pouch. And the family's suspicions were now growing alongside law enforcement. It was when police brought Eugene in for a pre-polygraph interview that they asked him About, you know, those theories that I mentioned earlier. Like, what are your theories about what could have happened to Sharice? And that's when he relayed the accident theory. Right. Mm. Like, you know, maybe the dog jumped or maybe she slipped on ice. But as he's saying these theories, Maggie, he also conveys, he says, well, you know, the coroner told me that the bullet that killed her had come from her gun. Well, that statement had yet another flaw in it, Maggie, because the coroner had made no such statement. Because Yeah, you didn't say that in the beginning. Yeah. At the time of the polygraph with Eugene in early January, ballistics had still not confirmed that the bullet had come from Sharice's gun. So him mm. saying, well, the coroner told me that it came from her gun. Mm, no, the coroner no, didn't. So they did confirm that it was indeed her gun at the scene of the crime. But it wasn't actually until March of 2013, and he's getting this polygraph in January, that ballistics did confirm that the bullet had indeed come from Sharice's gun. So people who want to say Gene is guilty, they're saying, how did he know this before mm-hmm. ballistics showed it? Right. Now, some others, obviously Devil's Advocate, will say, well, her gun was right there. Right. So it just makes sense. Right. During the first polygraph exam on January 9th, 2013, Eugene said it was a nightmare dealing with Charisse's loss and that he missed her even more than he thought he would, which I think sounds like a horrible horrible statement to make yeah but for this polygraph police asked him three questions they said did you shoot sharice are you the one who shot sharice and do you know for sure who shot sharice eugene answered no no and no the results were inconclusive but close to failing And I didn't even know that was a thing until this case. But apparently, two experts were independently called in to read Eugene's polygraph exam results. And both of these experts said inconclusive, but quote-unquote, at or near failure. So it's like he got a D minus. Right. You're right there on the cusp (laughs) of failing. (laughs) Yeah. So as a final verification, they actually had a computer read the results. And the computer determined that Eugene had failed the polygraph Mm. exam. So Eugene urges the police that, well, the exam must be flawed. You know what? I'm willing to come in a second time to take another polygraph exam. So they agree to do that with him in late January. I mean, that can happen. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, meanwhile, Eugene was asked about some other inconsistencies, mostly relating back to the call log. So, do you remember what time Eugene told police that he had woken up and started calling Charisse's phone? Wasn't it like 9.30? Yes. He said he woke up from the couch at 9.30. Right, He said he called from the house phone and then from his cell phone and that he then began driving around looking for Sharice at the three potential spots, mm-hmm. stopping at the White River Trail as the last one and getting there at 11.23 p.m. Now, right. the call logs did show Eugene trying to call Sharice from the home phone and then from a cell, just not at the time he said it happened call records show Eugene called Sharice from the house phone at 11:02 p.m. and from his cell phone at 11:09 p.m. which means that very shortly after that call he was on at the crime scene, correct? So they're presenting him with this information. Like first you said she didn't leave until 7:30. We know that can't be possible cuz her body is found you know, and the call is placed Mm -hmm. at 630 and she's pronounced dead at 715. And then you're saying you woke up at 930 and that's when you started searching for your wife and you started making these phone calls. But now the phone log is saying that those calls didn't happen until after 11. Well, he responds and he says, I don't know what to tell you. The times have to be wrong because that's impossible okay i'm sure they are
1: yeah. at t just screwed up yeah he
0: says you know those can't be possible because i was at the crime scene at that time asking about sharice when i saw the crime tape around her vehicle but again they tell where
1: he was when he made the cell phone call do we oh we know do we know he was at home
0: we will talk about that in just a second but we also know that even his explanation of why it can't be true because he says it can be true because i was at the crime scene well that's not true either because he didn't get to the scene until almost 15 minutes after the last call and around 20 minutes Mm -hmm. after the first one
1: Hmm.
0: here's another problem with the timing maggie the drive from their home to the park was, remember, around an eight-minute drive. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. But according to Eugene, this was the last of the three places that he had looked. One Which source, would be impossible, yeah, right? Yeah, because one source stated that it would have taken roughly 16 minutes to drive to all three of the locations. But that's 16 minutes without getting out of your vehicle. And remember, we're talking 15 to 20 minutes after the phone calls. He's showing up at the scene of the crime. So if that is true, that he did drive around to all three, that this is the last one that, you know, he's coming to. Well, he didn't get out of his vehicle exactly. Yeah, he hadn't gotten out of his vehicle to look for Sharice. If he made it to the park by 11.23 p.m. But there was another call on the log, Maggie. And this is why I love technology that raised some questions. Eugene received a call at 7.41 p.m. That phone call went unanswered. Now, remember, this was early on in the episode. I mentioned the news report, and I said that the news led to two actions. One of them was the call to animal control about adopting the dogs. And I said the other one I'd get to later on in the episode. Mm -hmm. Here we are. The (laughs) other one was a call to Eugene from a chiropractor friend of both Charisse and Eugene. He heard the news report and immediately thought of Charisse, because again, they're talking about the body of a woman who's found in this park with these two dogs guarding her. So he decides to call Eugene to see if everything is okay. But remember, according to Eugene's timeline, this call couldn't have been for that reason because he said that Charisse hadn't even left the house yet. Yeah. Right. So this phone call from the chiropractor definitely doesn't fit with his timeline. His Yeah. With his story. Yeah. The call raised questions for two reasons. The first was that the call, along with eight other calls, had been deleted from Eugene's phone. So many people are wondering. Well, why would he have deleted any calls, especially after law enforcement specifically asked him not to do something like that? And even if you
1: delete them from your phone, they're still going to show in your phone record. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm.
0: so those who believe that Eugene is guilty, they argue, well, maybe he deleted it because it doesn't fit with his timeline. Right. Sharisa's brother Keith Walker said to True Crime Daily, "Quote." Between that time frame, the day before, the day of, I wouldn't be thinking about deleting anything. The main thing I'd be thinking about, what happened to my wife? And mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models in dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.
0: So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out The second reason that these this phone call raised questions is due to the cell tower that the call pinged. Okay, here yes. we go. Although Eugene and Charisse only lived about three miles away from the crime scene, there were two cell towers, one that was closer to their house and one that was close to the crime scene itself. Although Eugene told police that he was at home, watching the game at 7.40, which is right when this call would have come in, and that he had then fallen asleep on the couch. He said, you know, he was home the entire time until he woke up at 9.30. That phone call from the chiropractor didn't ping off the tower closest to their home. Instead, it pinged off the cell tower closer to the scene of the crime.
1: Interesting. So, are we going to say, again, that the phone company is wrong?
0: Well, I'll tell you what he says. So, even if there had been some sort of fluke and the phone had pinged off of the other tower for some unknown reason, right? Like, let's say something weird happened. and One tower was down right, or something. it pinged off of the one closer to the crime scene. They said it would have pinged then if he were home off of the west side of the tower in the direction of their home.
1: Oh, I didn't even know it did
0: that specific. I didn't either, but Uh the cell tower didn't do that either. It pinged off the south side of the tower in the direction of the park itself. Hmm. Yeah. So, in fact, if the timeline played out as law enforcement now think the timeline went, which was that Sharice left her home on Kessler Boulevard North a little bit after six. She arrived eight minutes later, parked her car in the lot off of North White River Parkway West locked her things in the vehicle, crossed the West New York Street Bridge, turned on the trail, passed the cyclist, and then just minutes later was killed all by 6.30. They argue that Eugene could have committed the crime and still made it back home before the tip-off to the game that he said he was watching as his alibi.
1: Right, because they're just eight minutes away, mm-hmm. so definitely. Mm-hmm.
0: Just like Eugene's refusal to acknowledge that his timeline could be off, he also told police that, well, the cell tower data was impossible because he was at home and he wasn't at the park until 11 o'clock that evening. Okay. Sure you were. Do you also remember how many times I told you Eugene and the other woman called each other between December 3rd and December 11th? Yeah, it was like a hundred times. Well, an odd pattern happened after Sharice's death. The day after her murder, the woman called Eugene nine times. But then, between the two of them, from December 14th, 2012, until January 27th, 2013. So we're talking... A month and a half, mm-hmm. there was only one single call between them.
1: So they go from calling each other eight, nine, ten times a day
0: mm-hmm.
1: to over a span of several weeks speaking one time.
0: Yes. And all okay. of this, despite making their relationship together official in February. Only a couple months after Eugene's wife's death. Okay. Tasteful. Mm Mm-hmm. Charisse's family later found out that the duplex wasn't the only property that Eugene and this woman had together before Charisse's death. They also owned another house that the woman was living in. Okay. Yeah. So, again, this didn't seem like a relationship that Eugene planned on ending anytime soon. Yeah.
1: Not a fling, Mm-mm. Mm-mm. yeah,
0: far cry from you know the relationship that he was trying to portray to police, mm-hmm. right? And remember, he was trying to also portray to them that he and Charisse had this great relationship that they had just joined a new church together. They had gotten oh re- yeah, they're baptized getting baptized together. Well, in contrast, Maggie Charisse's pastor was shocked to learn that Sharice was even married because he had never met Eugene and had no idea.
1: Wow. So apparently, they weren't so re
0: together either.
1: Right. Just more, like, lines in this yeah. little web of lies. Yeah.
0: So, Eugene did come in for his second polygraph on January twenty second, 2014. And again there were three questions. The first two were the same. Did you shoot Sharice? Are you the one who shot Sharice? Those were the same as before. The third was slightly altered from do you know for sure who shot Sharice to did you participate in the shooting of Sharice? Again, the results were inconclusive, close to failure. Shortly after the second polygraph, law enforcement also brought in the other woman for a polygraph on February 8th, 2013, asking her the same three questions as round two for Eugene, except, and I don't know why they did this, but they replaced Charisse's name with that woman, as in, did you shoot that woman? Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> Her results were scored a failure. And I know we discuss, we've said it so many times, that polygraphs are not accurate and that the Mm results should be taken with a grain of salt. So I don't want to put too much stock into those results. What I will point out, though, are all of the reasons that people look to Eugene as the most obvious person of interest in the case. And we are looking at homicide in this case, Maggie, because in June 2013, lab testing revealed that there were defects in Sharice's clothing, specifically in the arm layers of her shirts that she had on, that would have been consistent with holding out her right arm in defense Mm. and that the bullet had penetrated the sleeves before entering her sternum so this detail finally effectively invalidates the theory of suicide and also likely accident because if it's it's an accident you're not going to throw up your arm you know to defend yourself so i mean
1: now we're just left with homicide so i guess we're questioning
0: now who Mm -hmm. and most people would answer that question with one name, and that's Eugene. They argue that he had multiple motives These are the reasons that they give. Nearly $1 million in insurance, as well as an affair that he seemingly didn't plan on ending. Mm -hmm. They argue that his alibi, shaky at best, because the timeline doesn't match events. He didn't perform well on either polygraph exam. The gun pouch that Sharice always carried was found in the home and not on her person. Cell data showed different timing on calls placed to... to sharice than what he said they had happened and there we have the cell tower ping data which doesn't match where he said he was and And his woman failed the polygraph test yep and perhaps most telling the dogs had somehow allowed someone to get close enough to sharice to fire and the only person who they argue could have done that was her husband Mm -hmm. her brother keith told matthew fultz of wthr quote i can't put judgment on nobody i can't accuse nobody but the only thing leading to him is the dogs because they were attack dogs guard dogs and they were the only ones that could handle them dogs end quote now i want to know who got the dogs i know and i don't know the answer to that question those who want to play devil's advocate, though, they ask, well, if Eugene were guilty, why would he have volunteered to take a polygraph twice? Why- yeah, but I think a lot
1: of his actions, though, you could say, why would he do that? Like, mm-hmm. why show up at the crime scene? Why? There's a lot of things that he did that are just weird.
0: I mean, that is true. Yeah, why would he have showed up there versus letting them contact him mm-hmm. or why would he have left the murder weapon at the scene versus you know using a different gun or yeah you know but whatever you believe though they also argue that the evidence against Eugene I mean whether you want to believe he's guilty or not is circumstantial that's true so despite that fact the Marion County prosecutor's office convened a grand jury in March 2014 and by the summer of that same year, Indiana State Police announced that they had made an arrest in the murder of Sharice Walker-Bingham, her husband, Hmm. Eugene. Uh, Interesting. Now, I'm sure you, Maggie, and our sleuth hounds are thinking, "Um, why did you just tell us this entire case, (laughs) Allison? Because we cover cold cases and not solved ones. That's because this one isn't solved. Hmm. You see, on Monday, July 28th, 2014, Eugene was brought in for an update on the case and promptly served an arrest warrant and charged with one count of murder. Eugene was then taken to the Marion County Jail and swiftly released on bail. The Charisse's family was anxiously awaiting Eugene's trial when they could finally feel justice, but in August 2015, one month before the trial was set to begin, the charges were dropped against Eugene due to lack of evidence. Wow. What happened was that while an undercover law enforcement officer still maintains that they charged the right person, they also acknowledged that they do not have enough evidence to convict. Because one of the biggest pieces of evidence that would place Eugene at the scene of the crime at the time of the crime, would be the cell tower data. And they were ready to proceed in their charges until Sprint wouldn't testify to its own cell data to prove Eugene was actually at the murder scene. Why? So, investigation discovery coverage noted that Sprint, in essence, acknowledged that their data was flawed. Okay, so
1: I guess he could have been right that the times were wrong and the pinging was wrong.
0: Yeah, they basically said that it couldn't be relied upon to place Eugene at the scene. They actually said they had no confidence in it. Because, here's why they said, the chiropractor's call at 741, the one that bounced off the tower close to the park, went to voicemail and was not an answered call. And because of that distinction, that somehow meant that the tower information was less accurate. So without that evidence to place Eugene in the park, now it's really all circumstantial. So despite wishing that they could move forward, law enforcement thought it was best to drop the charges now because of double jeopardy. Oh, yeah. So they, along with the family, made the decision to wait until they have more information and tips to provide evidence in such a trial. But now here we are 10 years later, and we're still waiting for that additional evidence to emerge.
1: So I guess then, obviously, I'm going to know the answer to this question, but they didn't check his hands for gunpowder residue either. They did not.
0: (laughs) I know. And, I mean, the thing is, those who want to support Eugene say, well, we haven't had a trial yet because there isn't solid proof to mm-hmm. prove his guilt. But for a majority of people who do believe in his guilt, the biggest question they have now is, if Eugene were involved, did he act alone or with someone else? Because, remember, Charisse did believe that she was being followed.
1: Mm. Good point by the blue blazer. Mm -hmm.
0: Making matters worse for the family, even than waiting for justice, was the fact that although Sharice's brother Keith tried to stop Eugene from getting the insurance money, after the wrongful death suit was dropped, the money did go to Eugene. And with it, he got his record expunged, which is why there's limited information on this case. He used it to pay for a wedding to the mistress, and he paid off the mortgages to those hidden properties with the money from the life insurance. Ew. Officially, Indiana State Police Sergeant John Perine told reporter Jake Allen of the Indy Star this past December, quote, our policy doesn't allow us to identify anybody as a suspect. This case is still open and actively being investigated, and there are persons of interest in the case. We are very confident somebody knows what happened, and maybe more than one person knows what happened to Sharice. We are looking for somebody to come forward with information that will help us to push this case forward and find results for the family." Adding to that, another Indiana State Police Sergeant, Rich Myers, said, quote, we are unfortunately at a standstill. Our leads have been exhausted to the point we need somebody to come forward with that one piece of information, that one little bit of, well, I didn't think this was important enough to contact police, but it is a piece of information so that we can get the person responsible for this, end quote. Because as you can imagine, the family is still suffering immensely. According to Sharice's brother, Keith, at least with time the anger has become more of a feeling of longing for justice but both of those emotions are rooted in the innate desire for the truth will you share this case to help them find it anyone with information is asked to call the indiana state police at 317 899 8577 or crime stoppers of central indiana at 317 262 8477.
1: Again, please like and join our Facebook page, Coffee and Cases Podcast, to continue the conversation and see images related to this episode. As always, follow us on Twitter at casescoffee, on Instagram at Podcast, or you can always email us suggestions to coffeeandcasespodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Please tell your friends about our podcast so more people can be reached to possibly help bring some closure to these families. Don't forget to rate our show and leave us a comment as well. We hope to hear from you soon.
0: Stay together.
1: Stay safe. We'll
0: We'll see see you you next week. week. love notes with maggie and allison whoop, whoop. a whole big heap of love is going out to drea Brittany, jennifer dene sarah hannah suzanne and spartacus for reaching out to us this past week on social media and a bundle of love to all of our new canadian listeners have been charting the last couple of weeks in canada and we love you lots for it we
1: absolutely do. You guys know how I feel about Canada. <laughs> yes. We also have a ton of love going out to eat your okra, which is one of my father's favorite vegetables, I guess. Okra is mm-hmm. a vegetable. Mm-hmm. Also, I've been craving pickled okra, which is weird, but it tastes delicious. So. <laughs> <laughs> I like you a lot. Eat your own Who left us a five-star review saying, quote, It's nice to find a true crime podcast void of vulgarity, obscenities, and politics from the host. The hosts, Allison and Maggie, work well together and don't spend an excessive amount of time chatting outside of the story. Just enough for the listener to get to know them. I like how they're open to covering lesser-known cases
0: Maylee, who loves to listen each week with her mom, Stephanie. Stephanie said, quote, my eight-year-old is obsessed with your podcast. I do skip through certain things just because she doesn't understand or know about them yet, but she loves your podcast. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Maylie and Stephanie, for listening each week. And last but not least, Love, Love, Love is going out to our newest Patreon member, Martha. We are so happy for your support of our show.
1: And if you haven't joined Patreon, what are you waiting for? Now is the time. You can access bonus content in the form of solved cases. And if you join at the 12, 15 or $20 tier, you get some really cool swag boxes. And those are going Mm -hmm. out. Is it this month? Yeah. To um, all of our people that are at that level and have been for the correct amount of time. So, make sure you've sent us a Patreon message or an email with your shirt size. Because that's going to be important uh-huh. in this box. And if you want to get in on the next round of swag that will come out in August. Holy crap. That is so close. I know. We're getting ready to have a baby, I y'all. Oh, we having a baby the next <laughs> <So> month. i excited. <laughs> So if you want to get in on that round of swag and support our show, check out Patreon by clicking the link in our show notes. And with that, all of our love is going out to each and every one of you. Until next week, Hounds.